Thank you for joining XR Room, which is India's first AR VR focused podcast. And today I'm delighted to have with me Mr. Gavin Newton Danzer, who is the co-founder and president of Sunrise International and the host of AWE, which is Augmented World Expo Asia. So, Gavin, really appreciate you taking time and being part of the podcast. Why don't we start with a small brief introduction? Awesome. Yeah, no, it's a real pleasure to be here today uh, and welcome everyone. Thank you for joining us. Um, my name is Gavin Newton-Tanzer. Uh, I'm uh, very proud to be one of the co-founders of a company called Sunrise International, which focuses on cross-border marketing and digital technologies, uh, most notably virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality, uh, otherwise known as the metaverse. And the hosts of Augmented World Expo Asia is part of the global team of AWE, the Augmented World Expo. Um, so Augmented World Expo, for those of you who haven't had the opportunity uh, to participate in the past, is a, a more than a decade old organization. We've been working to bring the very best in XR and applications of XR, um, for those of you who aren't familiar, XR is uh, immersive reality technology, um, to the uh, global market. So that started with our first event at AWSA in Santa Clara, um, Silicon Valley, um, over 13 years ago, um, which has now grown from a 200-person initial event to well over 6,000 people each year, and ECHO events held in uh, Europe as well as in, uh, in Asia, uh, in this year in Singapore, um, and we are uh, always happy to have new faces, new companies, new enterprises joining, learning more about how they can apply various forms of XR technology to what it is that they do, whether it's manufacturing, consumer goods, or uh, entertainment, um, you name it. So that's that's a little bit about my background um, and happy to share more about everything that we do uh, today. Gavin, I mean, the world knows about, you know, what's happening in US or Europe or any part of the world. But China seems to be, you know, the one place where there's some crazy innovations happening and, and, the, and the nation itself is like really grown a, a, as a global superpower. And it, it's doing all the right things, you know, when it comes to technology, be it AR, VR, MR, be it artificial intelligence, be it quantum computing. But you don't get to know a lot except for the, the, the main leaders. And I'm going to stick to Metaverse and AR, VR at this point. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go on the other, other tech. So it's it's you, we, we know about, you know, the Pico VRs and the NREALs. Uh, can you elaborate on, on that? What's happening in, in, in the China market? And maybe you could talk about some of the leaders in the space, you know, what they're doing at mm -hmm. the cutting edge. I'd say the first and foremost um, interesting trend is that it's very, um, there's a bit of government-sponsored innovation, which has led to a bit of a heavy emphasis on hardware. And so as a result, um, Chinese smartware, smart glasses companies, haptics companies um, are quite for quite far ahead and quite numerous. So you'll find, of course, there's Unreal, which focuses on the global market, but there's a number of other domestic manufacturers um, who are working on their own uh, headsets. They, they have a very strong manufacturing base, working with companies like Gore-Tec or Foxconn, um, and working either on specific component parts like displays or sometimes even full-fledged um, smartware. So I think you're going to find not only this year at AWE Asia, but in many years to come, a very heavy emphasis on that hardware manufacturing side as smart glasses become from sort of a interesting side use case of mixed reality technology to much more of the forefront of how we leverage AR going forward. So that's one piece. Now, in terms of VR adoption, Chinese VR adoption is actually extremely high, but in an extremely 
different modality than you would see outside of it. So most of us that have used VR technology outside of China have done so either from a friend or uh, buying one of our own VR headsets for ourselves. And so this concept of like having a consumer device at your house, whether it's a Quest, whether it's a, a Valve headset or uh, HP or HTC, etc. Um, the idea is generally that you would have one yourself, download your own games, participate kind of there. Maybe you've seen some at expos or live events on occasion. Um, in China, however, because there's such a wide distribution of um, gaming centers, it's very inexpensive for someone to set up a small mini studio, which becomes functionally a small business. And these are popping up in cities all across China, in sometimes multiple streets, uh, even nearby. And so you have these like mini arcades or gaming centers um, where people can go and experience not just sort of consumer uh, glasses, but maybe slightly higher, more top of the line devices and haptic rigs for a, a more sophisticated gaming experience. So as a result, uh, the numbers can be a little bit distorting because you don't see quite as many uh, as much consumer adoption as you would expect with people buying their own devices. But that's because they have such easy access to high quality devices in gaming centers. So it's, a, it's an interesting sort of uh, marketplace in that respect. Um, in terms of AR adoption, that's where I would say um, there's probably the most opportunity in China still, um, because they have such a heavy reliance on uh, single, all-consuming applications, such as WeChat um, or Weibo, for example, or of course, um, Douyin, like Chinese TikTok. You're able to see um, these platforms are now really starting to lean into um, AR applications. So WeChat recently opened its own AR application inside of the application itself. Um, you're seeing for quite some time, ByteDance have a heavy emphasis on um, integrating uh, XR features into their application. Of course, now with the acquisition of Pico, that's only more true. And so what you're going to find there is more of a um, tech titan led approach to AR um, than what you see, for example, outside of it, where AR, um, outside of China, where AR is led by uh, platform partners such as um, Eighth Wall or Zapper or Blipper or companies along those lines um, that are creating tech platforms or integrating augmented reality solutions. So um, very different marketplace. I'd say definitely quite a uh, heavy emphasis on hardware, looking to develop that into a global ecosystem. I'd say VR is more of still an entertainment-driven approach, though they're looking for more enterprise applications and augmented reality, very much reliant on those tech titans to become a bit more popular, um, though really starting to make its way into uh, museums and, and consumer technology at the at, at this moment. So so someone who is, you know, outsider, I mean, the the, uh, the perspective or the view is, is that, you know, obviously, like you said, you know, that, uh, there's a government-sponsored innovation, which is driving, you know, all the really crazy innovation over there. And hardware is the space, you know, where they lead. And you mentioned about you know, uh, the, the entire country has got, you know, arcades all over. So you get access to, you know, these great quality headsets rather than going and acquiring yourself, uh, you know, like one of these expensive headsets. When it comes to India, it's completely opposite. <laughs> So, 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 you know, there, there are arcades, but very few and, and we, we, we lack the, 
the hardware ecosystem you know we are very rich in the software ecosystem there's there's a hardcore developer ecosystem you know we we have uh, ai developers we got metaverse developers we got web3 developers but when it comes to hardware i think the government is just about now understanding the need to have a a local you know in in house in or grown you know locally grown market but tell me is that something also which is a deterrent because i mean you know it, unlike like maybe china and maybe now even possibly india is maybe trying to follow the same model america and europe have taken the approach where it's obviously you know they uh they they have a great ecosystem but it's it's very welcoming and you know that the inflow and outflow is very awesome what i mean by that is that the innovation uh, in the nation goes out uh, you know and and then outsiders also welcome for me somebody who's who's sitting in india i get a, i get the feeling that china is has built this wall where it's very difficult to kind of breach in if you're an outsider how far is that true and for the 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 local startup uh, you know the, the ecosystem is is it like it's so, so there's only like the stcs and the picos uh, and the nreels which which have gone international but but like you said you know there's so many other scores of you know startups so how do they i mean are they only confined or servicing or creating service and solution for the china market or do they have also an intention to grow globally because if that's the case it'll be so great to find a way to create a bridge and, and because you know and and, and uh push drive this ecosystem forward yeah i think uh, that's the you hit the nail right on the head um which is uh the reality um is to a certain extent everything you just said is is absolutely true that the there's an incredibly rich startup ecosystem in china but it is quite self-contained it's chinese founders frequently creating uh solutions in the xr space which predominantly still leans on the chinese market um, it's only recently where I think you're seeing a um, an approach. I think Inreal takes this approach, and and a number of other companies um, have taken this approach lately. Um, like uh, where they create a startup with the global market in mind from the get go. Um, another company called like Mindverse is is doing something similar, um, and this is a relatively new strategy. It, it's it's one that is not done lightly because a lot of uh, venture capitalists will believe that it's difficult to both accomplish uh, a large expansion in China's own domestic market as well as go global at the same time. Um, you'll see some companies, though there have been companies who have been able to do so tremendously successfully. So um, most notably ByteDance, right, with its global expansion of TikTok um, as well as its success domestically at home is Douyin. Um, though not without its own headwinds and its own challenges. So there's certainly an air of geopolitics to this as well. Now, luckily with XR, the technology is young enough and it's mostly entertainment and efficiency oriented and gaming oriented and in maybe even educationally oriented. So it's not quite as sensitive as other types of technology, um, but the, the world's a big place and, and a lot of them are struggling a little bit about which should really take their focus. Should they focus on the domestic market, which um, is a little bit more cutthroat or should they go global, which might have a lot of other unknowns. Now, one of the easiest ways to cut through this 
is partnership. And that's one of the things that we're really hoping to see more of. And what we were beginning to see pre-pandemic um, at AWE Asia in particular, um, we've always uh, welcomed startups from India, from China um, to AWUSA, though again, that tends to be a slightly larger or mid-size uh, uh, startups just or, or companies in general, just because of the cost involved in traveling to those events and, and engaging in that community, similar with Europe. But in AWE Asia, we're really hoping to foster a bit more domestic collaboration, bringing uh, enterprises, global enterprises to the stage and providing an opportunity for software developers in India to learn about the latest uh, augmented reality tools that are developed or learn about even how certain companies are creating solutions in China or in other regions like in South Korea or or in Japan, um, where there's also tremendous exposure to new types of uh, technology. For example, by far, um, Japan remains the leader in augmented reality uh, deployment um, and solutions, much, much deeper in the market than anything that you'd see in, in China. Um, and you'll see a similar incredible haptics innovations coming out of Korea, as well as a number of different types of technologies that are being integrated as well. So um, I think this the, trying to get a little bit more regional cooperation in both the development of technology, as well as exposure to more global enterprises to deploy those technologies is exactly what we're trying to accomplish at AWE Asia this year. Um, and now being the first year that we're hosting the event officially, I'd say kind of post-pandemic, um, we can really bring that mission front and center. Um, is re Regarding what you said um, in terms of startups in India, I'd say this is there's never been a better time to dive into the XR content ecosystem. I'd say India, to a certain extent, is uniquely positioned to do so with its large uh, population of well-trained uh, software developers. And I will tell you that I, I can't count how many times I've had conversations with hardware developers in China, particularly those in the smart glasses space, who lament how difficult it is to get high-quality content for their devices. And so they're trying hard to build out an open ecosystem so people can publish apps on their on their systems. And it's again, this constant chicken and the egg um, fa uh, factor, which is slowly being chipped away at by some big, big players in the space, right? ByteDance throwing money behind it, um, Google throwing money behind it, and of course, Facebook throwing, um, sorry, and Microsoft and, and Facebook throwing money, or now Meta throwing money behind it um, with the development to push out their various hardware devices at sufficient scale following what is called the open XR guidelines, so content's interoperable, and then allowing people to have not an ecosystem of 50,000 devices, but of 35 million devices or 40 million devices that they can potentially start to develop for. Um, and that's where I think we're going to, we're, we're almost there um, at really breaking through. Certainly in VR, we're almost there, breaking through um, the, uh, the augmented reality technology. Now, LiDAR integrated, for example, into modern iPhones and a variety of other types of technologies that are just better chips that are enabling higher quality computation for SLAM technology in phones in general are enabling phones to become a very powerful augmented reality device, just kind of opening up the market so that for example, small development teams in India with creative designers, just a couple programmers can launch content that can go viral worldwide, hopefully like a Pokemon Go or other types of uh, widespread or a Beat Saber, depending on what it is that they're looking to do. So um, I think we're, we're getting closer to that that space. Um, and uh, hopefully we're going to see a tech uh, an app boom just like we saw with smartphones 
um, more than a decade and a half ago. So um, that's that's kind of what we're all waiting and anticipating. Lovely. I, I think yeah, we, we're sitting in such an exciting point in time. And, you know, the ones who vested in VR, AR, MR, you know, we, we've just been waiting for the longest time. And I think, you know, this is it when it all starts converging and starts bearing the fruits, you know. And and, and you mentioned, you know, it, it's not just China, you know, the Asia itself, you know, there's these pockets, you know, which is, like you said, Japan is leading in AR, Korea is leading in haptics, you know, India is leading in, in, in the software part, China is leading in the hardware part. But it seems still seems to be so segregated, you know, and I think uh, what 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 you said, you know, partnership and collaboration. I think that's the key. I guess you know. I mean, if an organization, it's whether it's AWE or somebody else, who understands the the importance of partnership and collaboration, and kind of creates these bridges. I think we won't be just depending upon these governments or investors or these big tech companies to drive the conversation of making metaverse more, uh, you know, mainstream. I think together, I think if we hand, join hands, you know, there is so much that can be done to push drive this ecosystem and make this technology accessible as well as something which empowers everyone, whether it's individuals or consumers. Now, AWE Asia is somewhat playing uh, like that 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 role, the evangelist role, right? So so, so maybe talk about AWE Asia. What's the plan Absolutely. and yeah, about the event? So we're very excited to be in Singapore for the first time. And part of that is we really do want to be in a place that kind of collectively can bring everyone together as much as possible. Um, whereas, for example, the past few years, because of the pandemic, we were basically limited to hosting inside of, uh, of China as our host country because they were the only ones who were able to restrict, uh, allow basically events to happen um, with uh, through, through zero COVID. Um, but now that we're finally opening up, I think that sort of siloing of, of innovation throughout Asia, uh, the pandemic is a big part of it, um, that the exchange of ideas really was kind of frozen to a certain extent over two or three years. There was a lot of reluctance to, to travel, meet each other. And while, yes, certainly deals and partnerships can be conducted over Zoom, um, for hardware in particular and integration of software solutions, particularly with cutting edge new technology, that early stage sharing and, and trust takes time to develop. So I think now we're finally going to really see that coming to the forefront. Uh, now, in terms of what we're doing, we have multiple tracks of very interesting content, whether it's an education track or a healthcare track. We also have a variety of different tracks that cut into different segments of vast growing technology sectors. For example, um, Web3 and NFTs, which has, of course, always been a big thing in Singapore, or more recently, artificial intelligence, AIGC, autonomous AGI. Um, and so there's a lot of cross sections here looking for bringing in the very best enterprises in each sectors, whether we have Mer we have Mercedes or Airbus or Disney, um, who are frequent participants of AWE and coming to learn about the latest technologies that are available to them alongside the manufacturers and alongside the technology uh, developers themselves. So um, both the hardware and software side will be there. 
both to determine collaboration among themselves, but also to talk to prospective end users and the actual companies, the mid and large size businesses that actually deploy these solutions um, to end users. So uh, we're very excited to hear both sides of the conversation. We tend to have a very, a very good mix of both. Um, and it's something that I think uh, really does, everyone who always comes to AWE really enjoying the energy, the ability to kind of connect with a like-minded audience and talk to people who are very interested to see what this is going to do for them. Um, and then go back with a, a bunch of new connections, a bunch of new ideas, and potentially a bunch of new clients. So that's um, what we're really hoping to see. Lovely. How cool is that? And I look forward for being over there physically. So again, my, my, this thing I missed up possibly, why not hybrid? Why not physical as well as the virtual metaverse? That's, that's my first question. And since you were stressing on application, now AWE, you guys are one of the leaders in the space when it comes to about for evangelizing uh, XR uh, you know, in, in the world. So it started with US, now it's spread around the world. So obviously you guys must be having a lot of data talking about applications where's the juice at where's the money at what what is it that's like really you, you know i mean you know, making the money mm -hmm. great great question so let's start first with why not hybrid um we actually did do hybrid events um three years in a row uh during uh covid um part of it is strictly frankly speaking a uh uh bandwidth uh, we've learned uh, that running both a, a virtual event um, on its own was a tremendous undertaking. And a virtual event plus a physical event is an even more incredible undertaking, particularly when we operate across 12 different time zones. And so making, uh, making a genuinely high quality experience where we can make sure the audience is there at the time where the sessions are, um, that the sessions that they want to hear, um, and then being able to effectively kind of connect with the people they want um, is, is very challenging to do well. Um, now, we were certainly uh, look at different forms of making the content available. So I encourage anyone who hasn't already to look at All Live. All Live is our always on digital AWE community. Um, so that's just awe.live, where you can learn about um, upcoming events. And currently, obviously, it's facing the AWE USA event, which is just a couple of weeks away from now. So I encourage you to, to look at there. Shortly after that, it'll be pivoting to talk more about the content related to AWE Asia. Um, so that's sort of that great place where we have a repository of content. Another great resource is our YouTube channel, um, where we do share tremendous amounts of the speakers um, and the best talks and, and displays are always going to be shared there. And then finally, something we call the weekly spatial, which is our uh, our weekly newsletter, uh, where we talk about the latest in spatial technology. Um, so definitely recommend it looking at those platforms. Um, I definitely say we're, we're always doing um, various forms of virtual receptions or virtual networking events all throughout the year. And then we have our on-night virtual events as well, which you can also learn more about on All Live. So there's a subsection of these um, virtual events. We don't house them as a virtual conference. They're kind of um, individual 30-minute, 60-minute sessions pocketed all throughout the year, um, but they're super interesting and dynamic as well. Um, now, in terms of this last question, where's the money? Um, I'd say uh, if you look at uh, every technology hype cycle, it goes up to the top, down to the bottom, up to the top, down to the bottom, up to the top, down to the bottom, and that's just sort of how this is. 
Um, a lot of uh, the X, uh, XR sort of entrepreneurs in Asia will remember um, if they've been around, uh, been doing this for a little while, they'll remember the hype cycle that came in 2012, 2013, another one that came in around 2017, 2018, most recently with the metaverse hype cycle when Meta even changed its name. Um, and so we've already been through at least three, maybe four XR hype cycles where people go from, it's going to change the world and then XR is dead. And it's going to change the world and XR is dead. Um, now I'd say we're kind of in between cycles um, because of the way where COVID is. But the thing is, um, the XR industry continues even with each hype cycle to grow bigger and bigger and more robust and more established each time. Um, so I would say now, for example, for the first time, you are seeing VR games on, for example, the Quest, you, you most recently earning upwards of 20 to $25 million for a piece of content. That is a tremendous milestone. We used to be talking about, oh, the studio made a million dollars in revenue from their game. Now we're talking they made 20 or $25 million in revenue for the game. That's enough for people to start taking notice of, oh, I can actually create an XR application, uh, a VR application, and have it be a viable business for my gaming studio. So I'd say that's a tremendous milestone there. In terms of augmented reality, mobile AR um, in, has been generating significant revenue um, ever since Pokemon Go was a tremendous smash hit. So I'd say mobile AR is still by far the largest market simply because all of us have the mobile AR device in our pockets at all times. And the only difference is we've been transitioning from just gaming towards advertising or even education use cases in the mobile AR space. So I'd still say that's very powerful. Now we all have this distant horizon of what is this next multifaceted AR or mixed reality device going to be, right? Where we have pass through AR in front of our eyes, right? As a head-worn device. And that's the, the promise of Unreal and of Magic Leap. And we're slowly getting there, but the price tag on these devices is still just very, very high. And, and of course, now um, you most recently had the, the latest, the pro version of the Quest headset, um, which was a big step in this direction and, and rumored um, in a month, uh, we're going to see Apple's a take on this market, though, again, with a slightly bigger price tag. Um, so we're very excited to see this head-worn AR uh, space. I expect it's going to be tremendously impactful, and you have major companies that are investing in it. Um, it's really just a question of bringing that price tag down to a more consumer-ready uh, level, which is going to take a few years. That's just sort of how these things go. Um, some of you may remember that a VR headset used to cost $1,200 to $1,500, and now we can buy a, a used headset online for $100, right? Like, that that's a difference of five or six years. Um, I'd say we're going to expect the same thing for smart glasses and smartware, which will um, uh, really bring that down in a very significant way over the coming years. So a lot to be excited about, um, and and definitely a really interesting time to be a software developer um, for for the Indian community here, um, developing content, whether it's mobile AR content, definitely big um, VR content, huge, particularly for Unity and Unreal developers. Unreal Engine developers, and then uh, looking for those uh, ecosystems for smartware where they're willing to even sponsor your content development um, to basically have more launch-ready applications for the devices. So very exciting, um, and we're super excited to be a, a part of this ecosystem as it grows.
Lovely. Uh, Gavin, really appreciate you taking time and being part of the podcast. Wish you and the team the very best for uh, AWE Global as well as AWE Asia. My last question. India is a huge market opportunity. Mm -hmm. Do we get to see AWE India? First question. Second, is is, is there a way that we can like, I mean, maybe asked in, in the course of the conversation where we could create these bridges, collaboration, you know, between the startup community from China, uh, Japan, Korea, Singapore, India, where it comes together and, and creates magic. And my third question, uh, third is basically the pitch to my listeners about AW Asia, why they should be there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, um, so AWE India, we would definitely say is a very important part of AWE Asia, um, just like we don't, for example, have AWE France or AWE um, UK, for instance. Um, so we have a full Europe European ecosystem. So we'd be absolutely uh, looking to potentially host AWE Asia um, in or around India in the future. So definitely something to look forward to. Um, in the in the meantime, we do absolutely hope that uh, Indian companies and startups um, really jump on the uh, the XR trend. Um, we'd love to have you join us at AWE Asia. Hopefully, it's just a first step in your journey of attending and being more involved in the AWE EU and AWE USA communities in the future. So um, hopefully this is just a, a nice uh, stepping stone as you look to get more involved in the global XR ecosystem. So definitely something to, to think about there. Um, I'd say that this year is a particularly interesting year because we have been so long without a global XR event in Asia um, because of pandemic restrictions. So I think this year has its own sort of unique energy and unique excitement associated with it, um, both due to technological breakthroughs that have happened. Um, we're gonna be the first AWE event after this new Apple release. So we're very excited to see what people come up with and what the feed, like we know everyone's gonna wanna talk about it and um, the implications of what it's gonna be. Um, so that's gonna be incredibly exciting as well. So definitely, definitely the place to be if you've got time in late August. Lovely. Um, wish you the very best, Gavin, and really looking forward to be there physically. I mean, if possible, if all things goes goes well. And, and yeah, we're glad to be XR Home. It is glad to be the media partner for AWH. I hope this uh, event is, is not just successful, but it, it it's that catalyst for driving that much needed collaboration that could, you know, make this technology go completely mainstream. So, so wish you the very best. Obviously, I'm going to leave behind all the links so that, you know, people can, you know, uh, get to know where they can reach out to you, or AW Asia, get the tickets and be present in all the details. Uh, so, uh, yeah, thank you for being part of the podcast. And my listeners, if you like what you see in here, then please press the subscribe button. Until next time, see you guys. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you, Gavin. Really appreciate this. Thank you.